This is the Design Spark Podcast. Yes, that's right. The Design Spark Podcast. Lucy Rogers, Beck Hill, and Harriet Brain. We are the presenters, so you'll be entertained as we talk about tech and we have a good laugh about the past and the present and the future and stuff. This is the Design Spark Podcast. Coming up on the Design Spark Podcast. Okay, so Beck Hill says, trust all the billionaires. I like them when you can just stare at them. Yeah, you brought down the tone, Lucy. Backwards farts. What if this podcast actually saves the world? Hello, this is the Design Spark podcast, the show that uses facts, songs and precision engineered puns to master the mysteries of modern tech. I'm Professor Lucy Rogers, the inventor with a sense of fun. And I'm joined in my lab by my two comedy co-hosts and technology trainees, Beck Hill and Harriet Brain. Hi, Lucy. How are things? Oh, so good. <laughs> things are great. I'm loving these things, actually, in particular. Boop, boop, oh, no. boop, 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 oh, yeah, no. Ah, not again. Yeah, they, yeah well, I, I only booby-trapped that one. <laughs> it's just don't touch the thing that, that Harriet's sitting next to. Oh, oh the booby-trap. <laughs> Welcome back to my lab, and please don't touch the button that says do not touch, as that immediately ends the podcast and destroys all previous episodes. I'm not quite sure why I made that, actually. Yeah, that seems like a mistake. Yeah, that was, wasn't my best plan. <laughs> <laughs> Beck, as you can see, the lab features its very own microclimate using my patented warm snow. What would be your perfect weather? <laughs> uh, my perfect weather is... Um... Sorry, I just got caught on warm snow. <laughs> I feel like we need to discuss that, really. Yeah, is warm snow not just snow that you've weed in? <laughs> well, no. No, it's not yellow. My perfect weather is I like it when it's super humid because I deal with humidity really well and it appears that no one else does. So everyone tends to stay inside and complain and then I get to go outside and and, uh, you know, have like a positive 28 days later experience. <laughs> I really like humidity too, but uh, the only thing I don't like about it is the insects. Oh, yeah. I'm delicious, apparently, according to all uh, fine and eating bugs. So maybe humidity, but with a, a net. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I can now just imagine uh, Beck and Harriet going out you know, dressed as beekeepers. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and if that doesn't work, I'll wear my wedding veil. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> Harriet, have you got a favourite type of cloud? I do, actually. Uh, I, when I was little, I was really fascinated by when you've got like rows of cirrocumulus or altocumulus clouds. I'm reading this, by the way, um, displaying an undulating <laughs> rippling pattern similar in appearance to fish scales, uh, what's known as mackerel sky. Not long wet, not long dry. I used to love that as a kid and I used to call it haddock clouds and it used to make my mum laugh. <laughs> uh, no, I, I'm just renaming them. Mackerel sky is nothing on haddock clouds. Haddock clouds. I like haddock clouds. They're my favourite clouds. I, I like them when you can just stare at them and then, then make them move shape. That's good as well. Yeah. What, when you use your powers? Yeah. If they don't always change the shapes that I'm expecting. I'm too busy trying to think of fish puns. come back to me at the end of this episode i'll have a pretty good fish cloud pun (laughs) 
During this episode, I'll be guiding us through the world of climate engineering, which is literally a hot topic. <laughs> Harriet, what do you know about climate engineering? Um, I think it's when it's obviously to try and get the world to be a little bit cooler, isn't it? I'm climate engineering. I'm trying to make the world a little bit cooler. Oh, and you do so every day, just a little bit. I, I thought you just made it hotter. Ah, oh, this, this is great. All right, solved. That was a quick episode. <laughs> Bye. And to get us a little more information, I'll be sharing my quick start guide, while Beck and Harriet will present the research assignments I generously gave them before the show. Thank you. What if this podcast actually saves the world? And it's only series three. <laughs> I, I don't know. Oh, I, Finbus. I Finbus cloud. <laughs> you mean low Finbus. <laughs> don't forget, we'll find out at the end of the show if you've managed to master the mysteries of climate engineering when I give you both your examination. <laughs> oh, sorry about that. Looks like my warm snow has triggered a storm. Well, it would, wouldn't it? That's the code I use when I have to go to the toilet. My warm snow has triggered a storm. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And it's not just pride on the line, as the trainee with the highest score will get a Design Spark Masters of Technology badge. Display it in your car and it lets you park absolutely nowhere. But it is a cheap as chips way to, as they say, pimp your ride. <laughs> Time to get on with the show. Say that again, Lucy. <laughs> say pimp your ride again. It sounds so natural coming from your mouth. Pimp your ride. <laughs> I'd watch that. When we talk about weather, we tend to mean the local meteorological conditions experienced at any given moment. So if you're listening in the UK, it's raining. Climate, on the other hand, can be thought of as the average of the weather over a long time, like 30 years. Climate engineering, or geoengineering, is thus deliberately messing with, I mean, applying scientific principles to, adjusting the Earth's natural systems, mostly to try to counteract or adapt to climate change. Beck, would you survive better in a world that was too hot or too cold? Definitely in a world that was too hot, but if it was too cold, then we, we would just all be frozen. So technically we might be survived like we might get unfrozen by aliens in the future. So technically we might survive if it gets too cold. Am I doing a science? <laughs> is this how it works? You're doing a version okay. of science. Um, Harriet, moving swiftly on. Mm. Um, <laughs> hot or cold? Hot or cold. I don't, I don't really like either. I like, I like just, I'm a bit of a Goldilocks, you know, has to be just right, otherwise I die. <laughs> There are a wide range of proposed geoengineering techniques, but they can all be generally grouped into two categories. Quite bonkers and incredibly bonkers. <laughs> or, to give them their technical names, solar radiation management and greenhouse gas removal. Solar radiation management is all about reflecting a small proportion of the sun's energy back into space, counteracting the temperature rise caused by increased levels of greenhouse gases in the atmosphere. Proposed techniques include space reflectors, stratospheric aerosols and albedo enhancement. <laughs> Any guesses to what that last one is? I don't know, but I take all of those as um, medications that I bought on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be there soon, guys. Just got to take my space reflectors, my stratospheric aerosols and my albedo enhancements. 
Do, so do you need albedo enhancement, Harriet? Yes, my albedo's low. I don't like to I don't like to talk about it, okay? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm just thinking with both of you and neither of you could have come up with um it's Viagra for someone called Al. I know, but it just seems too it's too easy, Lucy. Uh, yeah, you brought down the tone, Lucy. Yeah. Uh sorry. This is a serious scientific podcast. You're you're <laughs> disrespecting this lab. <laughs> Albedo enhancement increases the reflectiveness of clouds or the land surface so that more of the sun's heat is reflected back into space. Take that space! <laughs> greenhouse gas removal, on the other hand, focuses on removing carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases from the atmosphere in order to counter the greenhouse effect and ocean acidification. Ah, so backwards farts. Backwards farts. Yeah, we have to suck them back in. <laughs> How would that work? You suck them in your bottom. And then you, um, mm. uh, you explode. Yeah. Uh, or you can just like warm up your food back up. It just come out as a belch instead. Yeah. Does it, I guess burping probably adds to it too. Hey, I haven't thought this through guys. Come back to me. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have told you that I knew how to fix this all. It sounded so implementable. <laughs> <laughs> Proposed techniques include global tree planting, building giant machines that can remove carbon dioxide from the air and store it elsewhere, and making the oceans less acidic and better at storing carbon by dumping huge amounts of limestone and other rocks into them. Do you see any challenges with these ideas? <laughs> it does seem a bit like a lot of the ideas involve us making more of a mess. <laughs> like, I think the tree planting and stuff works, but I love how they're like, well, we've messed up everything with all the technology and all of the dumping and everything that we do. So maybe we should, like, build more technology or dump some more stuff. That'll, that'll do the trick. Maybe we can get it to, like, roll over and start again. <laughs> Anything, Harriet? I mean, the tree planting sounds good. Giant machines um, sounds good. Um. <laughs> yeah, giant machines. Why not? That's never gone wrong. <laughs> exactly. But if they're, if they're like tree machines, aren't they? So, you know, it's not like they're Terminators. They're like, they're nice, nice machines. Have you ever watched Robot Wars? They're just yeah. still giant machines. The Treeminator. <gasps> I would watch that. Can you imagine? I'll be bark. Oh, like tree bark. Oh, oh that's so good. Just don't my fee. If only we paid you. <laughs> In warm snow. Almost all solar radiation management has been limited to computer modelling or lab tests, and greenhouse gas removal has only been investigated in small-scale research trials. Both approaches have proved controversial, as the side effects are not well understood, and it's very difficult to regulate. What most experts do agree on is that we shouldn't be relying on climate engineering techniques as the main solution to global warming. Although what most politicians appear to be relying on is nodding strongly whenever Greta Thunberg says something. <laughs> In the end, it may be that the risks of climate engineering are reasonable when compared to the slightly bigger risk of the eventual destruction of the planet and all life on Earth. Who said this subject can't be fun? <laughs> and that concludes my quick start guide to climate engineering. Yay! <laughs> I mean, I don't know why I'm cheering. That's really depressing. Okay. Harriet, your first assignment was to research the history of climate engineering. What did you find out? Was the first geoengineer, King Canute, sat in his throne, telling the tide to stop rising? Uh... 
Why not? <laughs> we, we don't know who the first climate engineer was, but I can tell you that nature has been doing climate engineering for ages. It's not some cool new thing like fidget spinners or the apocalypse. It's thought that enough volcanic eruptions could set off a feedback loop that would start a whole new ice age, which would be rubbish, as quite frankly there's only so far you can stretch an animated film franchise. People did cool things during the last ice age, like ice skating on the Thames. They also did less cool things, like burning women for warmth, because they refused to die during witchcraft dunking trials. Of course they floated, everyone floats on ice. God's sake. <laughs> So what happens when humans decide they want to get in on the volcanic action? Well, in 1932, the Soviet Union had a go, establishing the Institute of Rainmaking in Leningrad, which experimented with cloud seeding with calcium chloride. Fun fact, the Institute of Rainmaking is also what I call cash points. <laughs> Their grand project focused on controlling evaporation and precipitation in order to melt the Arctic ice and make Russia more habitable. So kind of the opposite of what we're trying to do now. A single experiment during the winter of 1960-61 is reported to have cleared clouds over an area of 20,000 kilometres squared, although they also claimed everyone was totally made up about living under communism, so... In 1946, the General Electric Research Lab in New York experimented with dry ice, leading to the discovery that it both stimulated ice crystal formation and massively improved the quality of music videos. During the Cold War that followed, scientists tried all sorts of experiments using solid CO2 and silver iodide, but only managed to alter weather patterns very slightly on a local scale. Of course they bragged about it, but only in that special way that actually makes people seem really uncool. In the 60s and 70s, in an effort to make other parts of the world just as cool as they thought they were, the US Air Force did a bunch of cloud seeding over Vietnam, Laos and Cambodia. This was supposed to extend the monsoon season to make it more difficult for North Vietnamese troops to move around, like a sort of cage or gate made out of water. It caused huge public outrage when columnist Jack Anderson revealed its existence in the Washington Post in 1971, leading some people to call it the Watergate Watergate. Larks. <laughs> 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 in the early 2010s, the UK decided to get in on the action, experimenting with spice. Who wasn't, am I right? <laughs> uh, SPICE, of course, stands for Stratospheric Particle Injection for Climate Engineering. Its aim being to increase solar reflection to combat global warming. It was a real blast until the party got shut down by Pope Francis. Oh, sorry, that's Francis Pope and other scientists over concerns that there may be adverse effects from unintended consequences of sulphate aerosol geoengineering. Okay, boomer. <laughs> and that concludes my research into the history of climate engineering. Yay. Yay! Well done. Thank you, Harriet. Pleasure. That was A, very interesting, and B, could form the basis of several James Bond films. <laughs> Beck, your first assignment was about how we can use climate engineering today. I guess what I'm asking is, have you sorted out global warming yet? Lucy, you say that slightly sarcastically, but I'll have you and everyone else here know that I am much smarter than my lack of education suggests. <laughs> so I'm coming in with my top 10 other ways to reverse climate change. Get ready, guys. So coming at number 10, I think we should just put all the fans on. Yep. Just turn on all the fans, everything will cool down. Done. Job's done. Okay. <laughs> Number nine, 
I think we should make a big air mask. So like the like the ones that everyone wore for coronavirus, but like for the sky. <laughs> it's a really big sky mask. Yeah. Yep. Wait, how would that work? Also known as a dome. A dome. No, 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 no. Mask. Like it'll wrap around the earth. Oh, right. <laughs> I'll just stop the solar, to stop the harmful solar stuff getting in. Yeah, what we'll do is we'll hook it around the poles, like the way that you hook the masks around your ears. We'll hook them around the poles. What, because there's poles sticking out there? Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's that's another option. Yeah. Uh, number eight, everyone puts frozen peas on the hot bits. Nice. Yeah. Because <laughs> I don't know about you, but whenever I hurt myself, I put frozen peas on it, I feel better. So, like, if you burn yourself, you should put, put frozen peas on it. Oh, that's true. And you put frozen peas on your forehead if you have a temperature. Yeah. Where would the Earth's forehead be? If the ears are the poles, where, where's the Earth's forehead so we know where to put the peas? I think you're thinking about this too hard, Harriet. <laughs> I'm thinking about it as hard as I can. <laughs> <laughs> Number seven, drive cars in reverse so they suck all the exhaust back in. Nice. Yep. Reverse farts. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Number six, put sunglasses on the sun. I mean, the answer's been there all along since we were kids. You draw sunglasses on the sun. As a kid, everyone's like, oh, that's cute. But if we actually did that, things would be a lot cooler. Like, literally. (laughs) And it would look cooler. Put a mask on the earth, sunglasses on the sun. Bingo. Bob's your uncle. (laughs) Number five, I've, uh, to be fair, I've just written pool party? Question mark. (laughs) (laughs) Don't know. I haven't quite thought that one through, but it sounds about right. Number four, give the planet a really big drip like the one I needed when I had a fever. So, um, like I had a fever and they gave me an intravenous drip mm-hmm. and that uh, made me feel a lot better and brought down my temperature. Um, also, I took some paracetamol and that brought down my temperature yeah. as well. So I think maybe if we just give the earth some paracetamol and uh, an intravenous drip, then that would help. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Number three. Swap crude oil for essential oils. Oh, Ooh, nice. And then everything would smell nice too. You wouldn't mind being stuck behind a bus then, would you? No, exactly. You'd be like, ah, oh, I would be angry, but I'm so calm right now. So relaxed. Yeah. Number two, freeze emissions. But literally. Like, if burning coal creates emissions, if we froze emissions, it should create coal. <laughs> I think you've basically just described carbon capture there kind of <laughs> yeah freeze kind freeze of. it make it really cold makes it cold put it back in the earth number one make the freezing temperature of water four degrees celsius so that four degrees becomes a new zero degrees and in turn the world's current temperature drops by four degrees <laughs> nice brilliant idea good at least one of those should work <laughs> thank you bet no area of engineering is so weird that you can't make it weirder. (laughs) Time now for a different kind of challenge. Looking at the amount of snow on the lab floor, I'm guessing we must be halfway through the show. The examination is coming up faster than the destruction of planet Earth. Just. So how are you two feeling about it? The exam, I mean. I'm, uh, I'm not as confident with this as I have been of my knowledge of other subjects. <laughs> <laughs> Harriet? Um, 
I'm feeling fairly confident, as you know. I am very good at exams, uh, so yeah, I'll be I'll be fine. <laughs> Thanks to the power of social media, we've got a question from you, listener at home. Well, maybe not you specifically. Uh, no, not you either. Yeah, you. Here we go. Luke McKinney asks, "Who can we trust to engineer the climate?" And how can we stop tech billionaires trying it anyway? <laughs> you can't stop tech billionaires. They're like avalanches. Maybe that's the new power source, the ego of tech billionaires. <laughs> we can somehow, because it's a... It's limitless. What's that word, what's that word for the, the perpetual motion? There we go. <laughs> that's, the, that's the ego of a tech billionaire, perpetual motion. So if we can somehow harness that energy that comes from their self-love then we'll be sorted so maybe we should maybe we should trust them yeah because that would help provide a source for that energy and it would just keep going okay so beck hill says trust all the billionaires let's make sure that's the <laughs> that's the sound bite <laughs> that's what i want to be remembered for and you can put a donation in her coffee account <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know what if you liked my top 10 ideas <laughs> you know drop me a donation and if we can get me to be a billionaire, I'll enact it. <laughs> <laughs> Who do we trust? No one. I, I mean, I would say scientists, but I mean, Lucy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Just because you're in my laboratory. I trust people who <laughs> care about it enough that they don't care about getting paid. So billionaires. <laughs> That's billionaires again. Oh, yeah, you're right. Ah, oh, bum. <laughs> I haven't thought this through. <laughs> <laughs> Good work, both of you. But I think it's now time for Harriet to give us the results of her second assignment. Harriet, your brief was to give us a brilliant song about an iconic person from the world of geoengineering. Easy, right? Piece of cake. Mmm, cake. I mean, brilliant. So who will you be singing about today? Ken Caldera, David Keith, Margaret Linen? Uh, actually, I've gone for Mother Earth herself. <laughs> of course you have. So I thought I'd go for a sort of early noughties inspired song because uh, a lot of the those songs had like a sort of weird, creepy sort of... Okay, I'm thinking of specifically the song Teenage Dirtbag, you know, where they have like the, the guy singing and then the girl singing. Um, but I think it's all just the guy and then there's, there was also that song, Stacy's Mom. Do you remember that one? So I've, I've sort of gone for that kind of style. Uh, and it's Mother Earth and her, well, us, I guess, all of her earthlings <laughs> um, having a bit of an argument. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God, Mommy used to be so cool. Look at this picture from 1800. Yes, I looked pretty swell and how nice I used to smell But now I feel distinctly menopausal Oh my God, Mom, don't put yourself down You're still just as pretty as you were If you find forest fires attractive and rising seas seductive Then I guess, yeah, I'm pretty damn hot Really hard for us. 
Excuse me, are you kidding? Have you got some brain cells missing? This is all your fault. Oh my God, Mom, but we're only human. We don't like to think too far ahead. As long as we're all right, we'll set your insides alight. And by that we mean your fossil fuel reserves. Ooh, you'll regret that. Mother Earth has never been cooler. <laughs> Metaphorically speaking, of course. If you're listening to this podcast and you haven't personally met Beck Hill, she is absolutely buzzing with big ideas. <laughs> How big would you say your ideas are, Beck, on average? Oh, about this big. Everyone can see me, right? Yeah, everyone can see what I'm doing, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've got the microscope out. Oh. <laughs> My ideas are as big as you are mean. <laughs> it's all a matter of perspective. Yeah, I'm going to bring them up closer for you in a minute, though. That's great, because for this assignment, I asked you to come up with an invention to help reverse climate change. And I'm pretty sure we're all going to be pleasantly surprised. Yes. You say that like you're expecting anything else. <laughs> you shouldn't be surprised. You should be like, oh, yes, she solved it because we expected her to. We do. Yes. <laughs> Just Yes. Go, Beck. What is your big idea? Well, first of all, Harriet, you care about the environment, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, my research tells me that the hole in the ozone layer is the smallest it's been for nearly 35 years, but a 10 million square kilometre hole is still a pretty damn big hole. So, Lucy, you still agree it's a problem, yeah? Yes. So, the both of you, you think we owe it to the future of humanity to fix it, yeah? Yes. Yes. Cool. Me too. This is why I propose that every single one of us, everyone listening, picks up a bottle of sunscreen next time you're at the shops and then on the way home, empty it into the gutter. <laughs> My theory being that if plastic and cigarette butts dropped in the street end up in the ocean, then so will the sunscreen. And if enough of us do this, then eventually the oceans will be filled with sunscreen and finally given the protection they need. No more sunburnt coral... Think about it. What are icebergs made out of? Ocean. And if the ocean is made of sunscreen, then the icebergs will also be made of sunscreen. And if the icebergs can't get sunburnt, then we don't have to worry about the ocean levels rising. Plus, it means you won't have to put on sunscreen when you go to the beach anymore because you'll be protected when you're swimming. I mean, obviously this doesn't solve all the problems, like certain drought-ridden areas aren't even near the ocean, but they need protecting too, which is why I propose that we all do our part and put sunscreen on nature. Rocks, trees, anything which looks a little bit hot, just give it a little rub down with some sunscreen. We've all got to play our part. And by doing so, we'll lower Earth's temperature and save the environment. Beck, is this really your big idea? Oh, no, no, no. My big idea is to invest in sunscreen. I have a feeling their stock is about to rise. Right, yeah, then I'm in. Lucy, are you in? No. Ah, sucks to be you. <laughs> Harry and I are going to be billionaires. We're changing the world. 
Once again, full marks for inventiveness and zero marks for commercial viability. But thank you, Beck, for your big idea. Given the fact we're up to our necks in snow, I'm pretty sure it's time for the examination. I really need to sort out that storm. How confident are you feeling that you'll ace the exam? Very confident because I think I'll cruise into an exam victory and then save the world with my sunscreen. All in all, a good Tuesday. Do you think there is a solution that'll fix everything, Lucy? Or should I just be packing for Mars? Well, nobody can predict the future with total accuracy, so I shouldn't really speculate. Please? Well, it would be a shame to waste this pre-prepared talk, so get ready for my forecast for the future of climate engineering. Welcome to the future. The year is 2050, and one company has developed the technology to control the weather. Want a freak blizzard to ruin your ex's beach holiday? Done. England 200 runs behind Australia and need a miracle or fog to win? Done. Want to literally rain on someone's parade? Done. You can see, this technology cannot be trusted in the hands of politicians, where national self-interest comes before global self-interest. Fortunately, the company is privately owned and run by one person. Me. And, rest assured, I will be putting the planet first. After all, I'm not really much of a people person. It didn't take long for the heads of state to realise that being kind to the planet, and nice to me, was of benefit to their country. Because the consequences of me being in control of their weather were not good. You don't really want a heatwave if you have ski resorts. You don't want a drought if you have agriculture. And you don't want to be struck by lightning if you're a jerk. <laughs> I have an army of engineers and software developers working for me 24-7. Polar caps need to be colder? Simply twiddle this dial. Rainforests need to be rainier? There's an app for that. The wind was a bit more tricky to learn how to control, but once we figured out the technology for that, we had the bonus of being able to filter harmful pollutants from the atmosphere. And one of my side projects is cleaning the filters and taking the particulates and chemicals and recycling them. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Our planet has never looked so well, at least not since the Industrial Revolution. And the humans are doing pretty well too, unfortunately. I mean, surprisingly. <laughs> now that Earth is back under control, I'm turning my sights to the other planets. I could try Mars, but I think Venus might be easier. It's got a better atmosphere, you know? In fact, it's made of 95% carbon dioxide. So all I need to do is figure out how to remove any pesky oxygen and massively increase the pressure. Because, after all, which evil genius doesn't want a planet made completely of diamonds? Yay! Properly evil. Love it. can see the lab's about to hit monsoon season, so now it's probably a good time to see what we've learnt. Beck and Harriet, I've given you my quick start guide, you've completed your assignments, and my forecast for the future should in no way be construed as an admission of guilt for my future actions. Are you both ready to take the examination? Uh, I'm, I'm never going to be more ready. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, it's really easy. 
I ask you questions drawn from today's episode, you buzz in with the right answers, and the buzzers are rigged to get hotter as the exam goes on. So there's a real incentive not to dawdle. Let's hear them in action. Beck? Ah, the sounds of lasers burning a hole in the ozone layer. <laughs> Harriet? It's like Greta Thunberg is here. Okay, <laughs> on with the question. She does always insist on that bugle, doesn't she? <laughs> it's Greta Thunberg. <laughs> question one. How is climate defined compared to weather? Harriet. Climate is long weather. <laughs> so like weather that's like over a long period of time, like 30 years. Oh. Ooh, well done. Go on, Beck, what were you going to add? No, no, I was just awe because she did really well. Yes, I did. <laughs> Question two. Stratospheric aerosols are an example of which type of geoengineering technique? Cloud seeding. <laughs> I think I'm just repeating words. <laughs> Harriet? It's the solar radiation Solar radiation management. Ah! Hey, very good. Do you know what's more upsetting about this is that last year I was in a play called Kill Climate Deniers that you both came to see where I played one of the lead characters who has an entire talk about solar radiation management and I forgot. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, that's so funny. But it was a very good play and you were very good in it. And that's all that mattered. Thank you. <laughs> I think what we've learned out of this is that I'm not a scientist, but an actor. And you have a memory of slightly longer than a goldfish. <laughs> Do you know what's most embarrassing, though? Last year, I was in a play called Kill Climate Denies. <laughs> <laughs> Question. What was most embarrassing, Ben? <laughs> Question three. Making oceans less acidic is an example of which geoengineering technique? The other one. <laughs> yeah, uh, so I'm passing that over to Beck. <laughs> uh, uh... <laughs> okay, so it was either quite bonkers or incredibly bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'll also go with the answer, which I, I think was it green greenhouse gas removal. It was. Well done, Beck. <laughs> Yay! Yay! Question four, Beck. Mass eruptions of what are thought to be able to start an ice age? Uh. <laughs> Volcanoes! Yay! I was trying to think of a joke answer. My face after too much chocolate. <laughs> Another one for Beck. In 1946, what did the General Electric Research Lab try to seed clouds with? Was it sulfur? Something that started with S. So, was it something that started with S? Only if you have the solid form of... Seeds. Did they put actual seeds in there? Did they try and grow plants? <laughs> it was that or make cheesy music videos. <laughs> Dry eyes. Yes. Also known as the solid form of CO2. Well done. You were close, Beck. <laughs> I was so close. So <laughs> close. Sulfur's a thing, though. Someone said something about sulfur. 
Yes, it began with... (laughs) Yeah. Question six, Harriet. Yes? What was Beck's plan to lower the world's temperature? I think it was something really dodgy, like just increasing the freezing temperature of water to four degrees and convincing everyone that that was the case. And, you know, therefore, everything's fine. Yeah. Yay! Spot on. See? Fake news is much easier to memorise than real facts. (laughs) I've been well and truly taken in by it. (laughs) Question seven, Harriet. How big was the most recent measurement of the hole in the ozone layer? Um, 18,000 bignesses. Uh uh. What was it? It was something to do with 18,000, wasn't it? 10 million square kilometres. Yay! It's even bigger than China. Where did I get 18,000 from? I don't know. Where did you get 18,000 from? It's not even the circumference of the moon. What is the circumference of the moon? 11,000 (laughs) kilometres. Oh, that was again a very close run thing. Harriet, you got four points. Really? Beck, three. Ah, can't believe my answers were all rubbish. (laughs) How does it feel to be super cool, Harriet? Oh, it feels great. Well, I mean, you know, my counting skills, I thought I'd actually lost. So this is a great surprise, but not really a surprise because I knew that I was a genius. (laughs) And what about you, Beck? Have you been let down by the politicians? Constantly. But I don't feel like that has anything to do with this episode. (laughs) (laughs) If you played along at home, tweet us at DesignSparkRS and tell us how you did. And if you ever win the Nobel Prize for turning all greenhouse gases into delicious edible bricks, please do give us some credit. Mmm, edible bricks. So how was this week's episode for you, Beck? Do you feel you've mastered the mysteries of climate engineering? I feel like this episode made me realise that I actually know far less than I thought I did. (laughs) How about you, Harriet? Uh, Actually, I have to admit that I feel kind of the same. Uh, I didn't know that there was still such a big hole in the ozone layer, for example. And I also didn't know just how bonkers these ideas were for turning it all around. So I'm filled with... Hope. (laughs) Not. (laughs) Well, that's about it for now. But tune in next week for a bonus episode where we'll hear from a very special guest expert. Thank you for listening and may you keep within two degrees of your current temperature. Goodbye. Bye. 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 The Design Spark podcast was a Why Did the Chicken production for Design Spark, starring Lucy Rogers, Beck Hill, and Harriet Brain. It was written by the cast and Catherine Brinkworth, with additional material from the producers, Stu Cooper and Dan Page. All audio was mastered by Andy Partington from Swift Professional Audio. And if you like what you heard, then we'd love you to do three nice things. Subscribe, rate us on iTunes, and tell a friend. For more episodes and bonus content, head to designspark.com forward slash podcasts.